I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tip to Tip with Lou and Chris. My name is Lou. My name is Chris. It's Chris? Oh, you fucking made fun of me. <laughs> I got you. I didn't do it. I, I held it back. I held back my Lou, and is then that, you fucking you is nailed it. Conscious? Me is that a conscious thing now? Yeah, I purposely tried not to do it right there, and then you you hit me anyway. <laughs> you you lit me up right at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, this is uh, we're doing episode 26 today. Holy shit. 26. We did it. We made it to 26. I don't know that that's any kind of a milestone, <laughs> but 26. 25 is probably like more of a milestone, right? Like yeah. 25, 50. 25. You can rent a car. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude. Yeah. Do you, do you feel it? Oh, no, not yet. (laughs) Chris is referring to the fact that right before we start recording, I ate a couple of edibles. So uh, if things go off the rails here at some point during this episode, you'll know why I started to act strangely. (laughs) Um, I'm going to try to keep it together, but I just want everybody to know right now I am high on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) You never bought drugs. I definitely didn't buy them. They definitely were free. My wife just ends up with edibles and weed and like she just from people either that work near her or customers of hers or you know one of the stores she works she works at the next door store is a tattoo shop yeah and she's buddies with all the tattoo artists and so yeah she comes into uh marijuana products pretty frequently and i don't normally partake but i decided to take it up a notch tonight yeah so, i'm excited yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens i got a feeling nothing will happen i seem to have <laughs> a, a, the constitution of a of a bear <laughs> i don't i don't know but we'll see like i said if if 40 minutes into this show i start to talk nonsense we'll know we'll know we'll know it worked i'm very excited more likely i'll start to get like blah, 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 like my mouth will stop working correctly right and that'll be fun too especially if i'm midway through a story yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, episode 26. Today we're talking about a good one. This is a good one, I think. Um, we're going to talk about Tower Records West Hollywood. Ooh. It's the flagship location, or was the flagship location before, you know, things fell apart for that industry. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just get right into the occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown. I don't even know that I want to add anything <laughs> to that. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. I just want to leave that where it is. Thanks, dude. Yeah, that's good. I enjoy, I enjoy that. Um, <laughs> so funny. Uh, so, yeah, the job, Tower Records, West Hollywood. I'm going to keep saying West Hollywood probably because, um, as you'll find out in future episodes, this isn't the last Tower Records I'll work at. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this one was special. Uh, position held, I was clerk. Um, I don't know if there was like a more interesting or official sounding title than that. Maybe like customer 
service associate or something stupid, but we were just fucking clerks. Right. Um, and then my wage earned was a whopping five seventy five an hour, which I'm fairly certain was minimum wage at the time. This would have been 1999. Yeah, right at the very beginning of 1999, January. Mm. And I was employed for four months. Okay. Four spectacular <laughs> months. Yeah. So... Now, before we, we end the occupational breakdown, do you know why it was four months and not longer? I can't I'm just recall. curious. No. Okay. Well, then that'll be fun to get to that point. Wait, I, uh, might, I might recall, but I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> either way, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll yeah. look forward to that. Uh, that was the occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown. Twenty-six Man. times and it hasn't oh. gotten better. <laughs> That's okay. I got auto tune. I'll fuck that. I'll fuck that up real good. Yeah, like you know what's funny? When I start to put like melodyne on shit and really fuck with it, the audience no longer can tell how bad it originally was. You know what I mean? Like it could have been way, 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 way worse than what you guys are hearing. Yeah. She'll never know. <laughs> I, uh, I touch it up a little bit, put some polish on there with melodyne. Doctor that shit. I do. Uh, I'm not very good at Melodyne, so, I, you know, it is what it is. It turns out the way it turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's jump right in. You know, the last episode we talked about me getting back to Los Angeles, um, you know, well, maybe two episodes ago, I guess, because the Power Rangers episode was the one where I got back. Yeah. Um, but I when we talked way back in the, I think, the Culinary Rap episode... <laughs> I talked about having a pod, one of those storage units. Yes. And then I, you know, I teased that at some point, you know, two years from then, we would crack that pod open again. And then I just blew right past that son of a bitch. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, uh, when we got back to California, <laughs> one of the first things we did was, uh, actually, I think it was Diana's sister had a truck, like a pickup truck. And so she drove us to the to the facility, which was like a big storage space, and they fucking got our pod and brought it out to the parking lot, and we opened it up and loaded everything into the truck and drove it up to our new apartment in Hollywood. And I just felt like that was left unsaid. Like, maybe that there's one person in the audience who's like, hey, whatever happened to that pod unit you guys had? You know, we paid the monthly due on that thing for like two years oh. from another state. How, how <laughs> and by much was we... That? I don't think <laughs> I mean my girlfriend. That's what I was gonna say. Is that while you know we pooled our money, she made more of it than me. And honestly, she probably I, I don't remember, but I got to imagine she's the one who was like paying the bill. You know, right? I'm curious so, how much yeah. that was back then. It couldn't have been more than like fifty bucks a month. Okay. I guess it's possible it was, but I I can't imagine that we would have consistently made that payment if it was like what it would be now you know what was in there it was like boxes of memorabilia extra clothes um cds all of all of our cds all of our movies i mean no furniture really i you know what i think there was one she had this chair that she liked it was like one of those kind of it was like a disc that sat in a 
I don't know how to describe it, but it was real popular in like the '90s. Girls liked them. It was this kind of thing that would be in like a teenage girl's room. Okay. She she brought that chair fucking everywhere with her, so I'm pretty sure that was in there. Um, that's yeah. that's the one thing though. Like, so I worked for a moving company for a long time, and we worked with a couple of different storage companies. I mean, think about what you had in there. I think you basically bought all that stuff every month <laughs> or or like every couple months you spent for sure. No, know? I mean, you know what it was? It wasn't it wasn't as much about the like it was more about the memorabilia, the notes, the okay. stuff I had from when I was younger, you know, anything like that. She had similar kind of things, photo albums, shit like that, you know what I mean? Was Sharky um, in there? <laughs> Sharky was definitely in there. <laughs> um, Sharky. Sharky was in there. Bunny was not. Bunny went with me. I brought Bunny to back to Illinois with me. And the reason why I remember that, this is kind of funny and it's not apropos to this episode, but back in the, uh, I guess it would have been the UPS episode when we talked about us leaving uh, Illinois to come back to Los Angeles. The whole, you know, we went to see Sunny Day Real Estate. We were staying at like different people's houses. Yeah. Like, like killing time between when our lease ended and when we were going to move. At one point, we left. It was a night before we were supposed to move. So the next morning, we were going to wake up and drive to fucking uh, Los Angeles. And Jacqueline was staying with her her half-sister, like, way out in, I guess, I think of it as Bumblefuck, but probably, like, Huntley. Okay. You know, that area. That's like, out there. Yeah, it's far enough out there. And we're, at the time, staying at Aaron's parents' house in Wheeling. And right when we got back to the place, back to his, his house it became clear that we, I had forgotten bunny at her sister's house. Oh, like, no. and so then we were like, well, okay, do we leave bunny? Does she, does she mail bunny to us? Cause we're moving the next morning early. And at this point it's kind of late. And I was like, I don't think I can leave bunny. I don't think I can strand bunny and Huntley or whatever. And so I got in the car by myself and drove back to Huntley at like, I don't know, midnight or one in the morning or something. And her sister had left Bunny on the porch, like, because they were going to bed. <laughs> did, so, did you explain the origin of Bunny or Sharky before? I don't know. But if I haven't, Sharky is a stuffed animal shark that I made. I sewed and stuffed myself in home economics class in like seventh grade. And it's my, like my face just hurts from smiling because <laughs> you have this love for these things. <laughs> no, that's there's nostalgia to it. Yeah, yeah. That sh that shark has been around with me for fucking since I was fuck twelve, and it's Crazy. he's he's actually in the room. He should be right back there on the on the couch behind me. I think and then that you need to do a couple take pictures a, of take uh, a picture yeah. do like a setup with sharky and, and bunny posing <laughs> yeah and then bunny is uh you could tell i'm not very good with the names sharky and bunny <laughs> but bunny i got as like an easter present when i was like maybe 14 or it was like he was part of an easter basket or something and he's like a fucking stuffed animal you'd buy at walgreens or something you know what i mean yeah but I fucking, for some reason, I just find <laughs> find this thing really cute. And I kept it. And then now, I when I look at it, he's alive. He looks back at me. You know, like, I, I sit him on the couch so he can, like, watch TV. <laughs> he's actually, he's holding that little poo you guys brought awesome. when you came and visited. So, uh, yeah. Sharky and Bunny. I'm, a, I'm weird. I'm a weird 43-year-old. <laughs> Very weird, but kind of cute and sentimental. I like that. I mean, I've had this that fucking Bunny I've had for what 
20 years, 30 years. Long hey, fucking time. Hey, Lou. Yeah. Do you feel anything? I don't feel anything yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I will I be know. checking in with you periodically. <laughs> I feel free, man. Believe me. I, I Maybe I won't notice. And then you'll say something. I'm like, that's what's going on right now. <laughs> I was wondering why I'm all messed up. Um, so, yeah, we covered the pod. I felt that was necessary. Uh, so, I got this job right as Jacqueline and I were breaking up. In the last episode, we talked you know, a fair amount about my mental state and what was going on. And the problem with an open relationship is that breakup can take a lot longer than it should have. Do you know what I mean? So like when you, when you're in a normal relationship and then you guys break up, somebody does something really fucked up or you just mutually agree that it's time to move on. Yeah. But it's a pretty simple, I mean, it's not always, but it can be very simple with an open relationship. Like, just being with somebody else or meeting someone new doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is over. Right. So, you know, there was like a good period of, I would say two to three months of me not knowing exactly what was going on, you know, sensing that something was different or had changed and not being able to put my finger on why I felt like that exactly. Or, you know, kind of, I don't want to say I was gas lit, but like me being like, I feel like something's off and then being told like, no, everything's fine. And I'm like, okay, well, am I being paranoid? <laughs> you know, like maybe right. am I being crazy? But whatever the case, by the point that I got this job, we were, we had decided that was the end of it. And it was more or less me saying I've had enough of how you're acting. You obviously don't want to be in my, in this relationship anymore. So let's go our separate ways and her agreeing to that. <laughs> um, but because I, you know, I, I'm not a complete fucking asshole. I didn't, like, want to throw our friendship away. So I didn't, you know, flip out and break furniture and tell her to fuck off and call her, you know, names or anything. Like, at least I don't remember doing any of that. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of I kind of tried to keep my friendship, even though the, the, the romantic part of the relationship was over. And so part of that was she she had worked at tower video she was working at the video store which is across the street from the record store and she was like you know i might be able to get you an interview because i had quit virgin and kind of was looking for something else trying to figure out what my next step was and so she got me an interview at tower records which was kind of like a i don't know if, what the word it would be exclusive like it's not that easy it wasn't that easy to get a foot in the door there you know what i mean um, I think a like lot West of people Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like the premier location, like between for tower records, kind of the premier locations were the first one, which is up in the Bay area. And then the West Hollywood location because of its proximity to the music industry and, you know, famous people and shit. So yeah, it was like sure. the kind of place that would have in stores and, you know, like people were there all the time. We'll get into all that in a minute, but it was just sort of a, a challenging, like I couldn't just walk in and apply there. They would have put my, my application in a stack fucking nine feet high and forgot about me. But because I had an in, I got an interview pretty quickly and the interview, I don't remember it real well, but I remember that Jay, the, the store manager, who's kind of like, he was a shaved headed white guy with a goatee, um, probably in his forties gay, but like leather daddy, tough gay. You know what I mean? Like that vibe. Um, super nice guy. And 
I don't, I think he probably just asked me what kind of music I listened to. And I think I said like Fugazi and named a couple of like obscure indie bands that he had never heard of. And he was like, yeah, you're one of us, <laughs> you know, that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Totally. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I got hired pretty quick and, uh, yeah, I, the cool thing about tower was that it had a fixed schedule, which is pretty rare for, uh, retail. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So, I was stoked that my schedule was just what it was, same every week. And I, I look back through some journals trying to remember what my schedule was. And it was, I think it was Saturday and Sunday, 9 to 6. So opening Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, closing, which was like 4 p.m. to 1 a.m. in that vicinity. And then oh, off shit. Thursday and Friday. So not a terrible schedule for being like entry level. Yeah. <coughs> but anyway, yeah. Let me ask um, you really quick. Yeah. So Jacqueline gets you the interview. You get the job. I mean, where is your head in this moment with everything? Well. And are you guys living together at this point? She had, she was still technically living there, but she was staying at her new boyfriend's apartment a lot. Which you so, knew about or didn't know about? Well, I knew she met him. Um, she met him at work. So at Tower Video, she met this guy. They started getting along, hanging out a little bit. Again, we were an open relationship, so I was fine with it. I was just like, you know, like, like honestly, I was kind of excited. Like, oh, cool, you met someone you like. That's cool. Like, I look forward to meeting this person who's good enough for you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. had that feeling at the time. And then she was kind of cagey. She always had sort of reasons why, like, he wasn't going to come over and hang out with us or I wasn't really welcome to go hang out with them and it was never like i don't want you to it was usually like this reason or that reason and i can't you know she was just like putting barriers up and that's when i started to be like what's going on here because any previous time it would be like hey new person welcome to the fold this time it was like hey new person i wait where where are you <laughs> I, I haven't met you yet it's now been three weeks since you've been hanging out with my girlfriend and i haven't even fucking been in physically in front of you and at one point, I like went into Tower Video and introduced myself to him. And it was towards the end when things were starting to kind of like become clear that it wasn't, this wasn't normal and that probably this was close to the end. Yeah. But like I went in there and I, it was like probably 50% just to like put a, a face to the name and probably 50% to see like if he would bitch out. Cause you know, I can be a kind of intimidating guy if I want to be. And especially if I'm in the right headspace to create chaos. Right. I don't remember going in there and being like, Hey, what's up motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I just went in like browsing around and I'd said, you're Chris, right? Hi, I'm Lou. You know, I'm, it's nice to meet you. That kind of thing. I think I was fine. What was his, but reaction? I wanted, huh? What was his reaction? Was he weirded calm? out by it? He was calm, but I could tell he was really uncomfortable. I think he thought I was going to like pull him across the counter and beat his ass. I, I don't know, but that's the vibe that I kind of got. And yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was a bit of satisfaction in feeling that from him. But yeah, you know, the truth is I was having these pockets of horrible depression and then these big chunks where I was fine, where I was like, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? I'll be all right. There's, I got a whole life in front of me. And then minutes later, I'd be like, it's all falling apart the last five years has been a waste, you know, that kind of bullshit. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the great headspace, but I was getting a new job and I was excited to like meet new people and kind of see what working at tower records in West Hollywood was going to be like. I don't And also because she wasn't working there, she was like across the street and 
we really didn't have any interaction when we were working. So like, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to see her a lot or anything like that. And I wasn't going to really, it was weird. I found out while working the job that the two, the video store people and the record store people, they were very like insulated and sort of didn't hang out. They didn't co-mingle. And it was actually part of like, I got hired at the later we'll talk about, I got hired at the video store and suddenly I like helped bridge the gap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There were parties where there was people there from both the record store and the video store. And it was kind of like, this is different. <laughs> this never happens. Um, yeah. I was like the, uh, I was Switzerland. Yeah. I was like, you know, I don't, that's not an app analogy actually. Cause there was no <laughs> war. So I, I, maybe I'm starting to get high. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, <coughs> so the job, uh, so working at Tower Records, I don't know if this is every Tower, but I think it was because I did two Tower stints and they were both kind of like this. But you would work half your shift at either the info desk or the register. And then the other half your shift, you'd work the bins, like doing merchandising and, you know, alphabetizing and shit like that. And it, when you're at the register, you're just at the register. You don't, like, ring a customer up and then walk out onto the floor and do things. You stay the fuck at the register. Yeah. Like, your, your whole three hours or four hours or whatever um which is pretty different from any other job i've had where there's cash register because they don't want you to stand up by the fucking register you know right but it created like some some weird kind of you know you get loopy up there it's you and one or two other people all stuck at the register for three hours and you just try to make each other laugh and so you get to know people you know between customers and lots of fucking around and was it busy a lot or you just like kind of like hanging up there depends on the day depends on the time like sometimes there was you know two hours where you'd have like three or four customers Hmm. and then other times it was just chaos you know like lines and shit um yeah it could go either way like i said like a saturday morning it would be chill for if i was on register right in the morning it would be chill for like the first three hours there's just like nothing crazy happening that early um nights were always pretty pretty wacky but they were fun too you know it was kind of actually shades of uh town and country in the in the mm. style of employee which I'll I'll talk about in a minute but yeah I used to read books too like if I didn't feel like talking to my coworker up there I just grab a book out of the fucking music book section you know and like I remember reading Marilyn Manson's autobiography at the register over the course of like a week <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad it was easy um you know, you'd, you'd count your re- register in in the manager's office, and then you count your register out after the the register shift. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, if you were doing info, you got to choose like the CDs, which you know we've been down this road before with me. But <laughs> I don't, I don't remember ever putting anything on that was like meant to irritate at this job. No meowing Christmas carols. No meowing Christmas carols, exactly. So no, I think it was, I think most of the time I was just like, what can I put in that'll like, you know, increase my rep? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Make these people think I'm cool. Um, I put coalesce in there. Exactly. No, I, don't, I think it was, there was like a certain limit to how gnarly you could get. Hmm. But I don't remember actually. I, maybe you could, because no, you know, I'm thinking about it now. The first time I heard Meshuggah, it was somebody put oh. Meshuggah in the CD player. And this was when Chaosphere was their new album. Absolutely. This is the first Meshuggah I heard was fucking K 
Chaosphere. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> Whatever this is, get me more of it. So yeah, I mean, InfoDesk was, you'd chill up at the desk in the middle of the store and you'd like answer customer questions and you'd do special orders for people and, you know, you'd do like account orders. I don't know if every tower was like this. This tower, it, people from the music industry would come in and they'd pick out CDs and shit and then they'd go to the InfoDesk info with their ID and they would be like peripherally related to some label like Sony Music or, you know, whatever, DreamWorks. And they'd come up and they'd give you their information and you just find their name in this binder, like not even computer, like a fucking printed out binder of names. And you'd just like take the number and like that's, you would charge it to a house account. So they just that, walk in and cool, pick yeah. shit out and then charge it to like Sony Music. And I don't know if anybody was paying for that shit or I, I don't know what the hell that was about, but it was always interesting. Like, who's this person I'm, I'm, I'm ringing up right now? Like an A&R person? Are they somebody's fucking mistress? Like you have no idea. <laughs> Right. what their deal is but it's kind of interesting and then the other part of the shift you'd work the bins and everybody was assigned a section so like i can't remember what mine was exactly but it was like rock g through j or something like that so i would basically spend my time cleaning my area up pulling out anything that wasn't supposed to be there alphabetizing restocking you know what i mean yeah. that kind of shit letting someone know if we were out of something that was integral you know um and actually, one of my first uh, memorable celebrity meet cutes happened while I was working my section in in the rock area of the CDs, <laughs> and Keanu Reeves came walking <laughs> up to me with a motorcycle helmet on top of his head, and he said, "Excuse me, but do you have Archers of Loaf?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Yes, I do. They're over here in the A's. Sir. Yes, I do, Keanu. You. Come on. Yes, Keanu. They're right over this way. And I found Keanu Reeves and Archers of Loaf CD, which was pretty exciting for me at the time. <laughs> I was like, God. fuck. I used to love Bill and Ted. Like, loved Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, I've been a Keanu fan since before John Wick. <laughs> you know? Point break. Like, Beware before that shit, man. Yeah. Fucking well, Bill and Ted I, I, came out in the eighties, right? Yeah, Bill and Ted was eighty eight, I believe. Yeah. So Point Break would have been like ninety one or ninety. I think Point Break was ninety. But yeah, I've been I've been there for Keanu. I remember Keanu from Parenthood. Did you ever see the movie Parenthood? No. Fucking Steve Martin and shit. It's an awesome movie. Definitely worth watching. Super well written, well well acted. But Keanu Reeves is in it, and he's fucking awesome. He <laughs> okay. plays basically like Bill, but right. a different version of Bill, like a motorcycle riding fucking, you know, rocker Bill. I guess that's kind of Bill. Similarly stupid. You know what? He's playing the Keanu Reeves in the 80s part. <laughs> <laughs> but he does it brilliantly. Are you, brilliantly. Are you feeling it, bro? Not yet, man. I'm no just tingles? Here. Nothing? No, we're 28 minutes in, and I'm feeling nothing. Oh. I feel the same as I always feel. All right. I'll let you know. I'm a big dude. Maybe I need a lot more. I ate two of them bitches. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I like that you keep checking on me, though. I feel I feel cared for. So yeah, Keanu Reeves and uh, and he had that fucking motorcycle helmet on top of his head, like wearing it like a hat. Yes. So his yes. face was showing, but he had the helmet up on top of his. And it wasn't like one of those, you know, like a cool, open-faced, small, like, biker Visor. helmet. It was oh, like yeah, a yeah, real yeah. motorcycle helmet. <clears throat> it's fucking kind of weird. But Keanu Reeves, man. I'll fuck that guy silly. 
<laughs> I wonder how terrifying that would be for him to hear. Probably very. I feel like it would make him laugh. I mean, I don't know if you know, man, but I know a little jujitsu. <laughs> Keep your fucking distance. <laughs> Keep your distance. <laughs> don't make me take an arm, bro. I like the idea of Keanu being like a, a jujitsu tough guy. That's yeah, awesome. He'll take your arm. I, you know, he posts fuck, or I don't know if he posts them because I don't think he does anything social media. But, uh, Mach- you know, the Machados. It's like one of the jujitsu families. Yeah. Jean-Jacques Machado posts fucking pictures of him with Keanu Reeves, like, both wearing geese and shit, so... I know he trains, I just don't know if he trains for movies and then nothing else. Yeah. But, you know, he could definitely take an arm off mm. of somebody who's never touched jiu-jitsu. Oh, for sure. Jiu-jitsu. Um, so, unlike Virgin, this kind of brings me into my next point. You remember I had to sign a contract that said I would leave celebrities alone when I yeah. at Virgin Megastore? Right. And then I saw a total of like seven celebrities the whole time I worked there. And of course, I left them all alone because Tower didn't have me sign anything like that. I was like, I wonder if like nobody comes in like for some we I we've only been living in L.A. for a couple of months at this point. So I didn't know what Tower Records was exactly. I mean, I knew what Tower Records was. I didn't know that that location was like this fucking seminal like, oh like people trek there from other places you know it's right it's like the cool tower i didn't really know that to the degree that it was so when i didn't sign anything i was like oh, that's weird i wonder if they just don't have enough celebrities coming through to bother with that and like fuck i couldn't have been more wrong <laughs> it was it was like a constant flow like a constant stream of familiar faces and, very cool um yeah, it was bizarre. And you could fucking do anything you wanted. There was no rules, especially the night shift. But during the fucking day on Saturdays and Sundays, too, like, you could ask for autographs. You could do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you could talk to them. You could... People would, like, leave their post to go, like, talk to a celebrity and <laughs> ask questions. And, like, you could get merchandise off the sales floor to, like, have someone sign, like, a cover of a CD and then you would just take that CD and put it in the manager's office in a pile. And then that was your pile. And at some point in the future, you would like buy that stuff. Maybe right. but there was just piles of like autographed shit all over the manager's office with people's names on it. Can you give was, me some uh, examples just quick off your head? Uh, I'm that, going to do that, that in a have... bit. Okay. okay. I have a, I have a list. So we're going to go. Because I, I figured you'd want to know, like, as comprehensive as I can get. And I had my journal, so I was kind of, like, flipping through, like, jotting names down as awesome. I saw them. Okay. And it was kind of bringing back <laughs> memories. But, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you with some of that action. Don't worry. We're, we're going to get there. We're going to be celebrities all at once. But, yeah, it was it was a very relaxed atmosphere. You know what I mean? There was not any of the uptightness that was at Virgin. Kind of didn't feel like there was anybody really in charge. I think it was like they thought everything was going the right direction why change anything and so the rules were very relaxed the way that you could act was very relaxed did you ever see the the movie empire records yeah so i don't know if you remember that like they have the fucking break room with the couch in it and everybody's always hanging out in there and like having conversations and dealing with all their you know teenage drama and whatever this was very similar to that. There was couches. There was like everybody would hang out back there. There was guitars back there to like play on. There was, was like a very bohemian kind of vibe at this fucking place. Yeah, in a in a cool way. I mean, I it was very chill, 
which led to a lot of like inappropriateness and acting fucking silly. And I mean, the LP there used to fucking, they could talk through the phones like an intercom. Yeah. And so if there was like a cute girl standing near one of the phones, LP would like go, what's up, mama? How you doing? <laughs> hey, little like, let, let, let me haul. Let me haul you. Let me haul you for, for a minute. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. And like you'd see like a like a cute woman looking around. Like, who said that? <laughs> looking around. It's the fucking lost prevention people. Like being completely inappropriate. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was very town and country esque in that way, which you know was familiar to me. Right. And I liked the people that worked there. They were all like I've talked about L.A. before. They were all there from somewhere else trying to do something cool, you know, want to be a musician or get into the movie business or whatever. So you were like around like-minded people as opposed to you get a job at the same place, but in Illinois, in Schaumburg, Illinois, everybody you meet still lives with their parents or if they don't, they live 10 minutes away from their parents. They went to junior college for a semester and then decided it wasn't for them. And you know what I mean? Like, right nobody's really doing anything that interesting that and that was my perspective and it's part of why i love living in la because you're meeting people who are like there to do shit often now you're also meeting a lot of people who are full of shit but you know i prefer full of shit and pretending to to be an actor to full of shit and not pretending to be anything because they just aren't still live in their parents basement you know (laughs) i prefer the other full of shit they're both full of shit to a degree right yeah, I, I have so many memories from the people that worked there. <laughs> <laughs> there was this guy, we used to call him Murphy, because I guess it's his last name, probably. I never even fucking asked why. <laughs> but <laughs> Why do they he, call you Murphy, bro? Yeah, I don't think I ever asked him why he fucking called him Murphy. So, yeah, it's probably his last name. But he used to, um, he used to, like, use fucking fun nicknames. Like, what's up, chief? That kind of thing. Like, colloquial nicknames. Yeah. And so we would, I would say them back to him, and we would try to one-up each other with, like, a weird one. And then it became like a joke to do it to customers, like in earshot of each other. Yeah. And then it was like, what kind of crazy nickname can we call somebody in earshot of the other person and not have it like instigate some sort of a bad reaction? But I remember I had him fucking dying because I called a, an Asian guy cowboy at the, <laughs> at the register. <laughs> and then at some point I called a guy toucan, like a fucking the bird, you know? And he's like, we're done. This is we're This is over. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, there's nowhere to go from there. Where what, <laughs> what reaction do you get? Nothing. Person looking at me like I was insane. <laughs> Cow- like, what is? That? I like cowboy. That's good. Cowboy, one. cowboy to the least cowboy guy you can find is the best. I right. still do cowboy. You know what else is funny? If somebody calls me boss, like hey, hey, what's up, boss? Can you sign here for me? I'll always call him boss back. <laughs> yeah, no problem, boss. Like we can just both be boss. <laughs> I don't think anybody should be the boss, so let's just both be the boss. That's funny. Yeah, and that that guy Murphy also, I remember him saying to me, yeah, I tried crack once. It wasn't all that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a direct quote from your journal, That's isn't a direct, it? Oh, man, it, 100%. But I remembered it. That's what's funny is I already had it in my mind. Like, I'm never going to forget that guy saying that to me, just casually. It wasn't all that. Yeah, I tried crack once. It wasn't all that. <laughs> He was like a short, long-haired kind of metal dude. With he always wore a fucking baseball cap, you know, like one of those guys. Yeah. He's and he also had like a super hot girlfriend, like way hotter than you would imagine. But then yeah. as you got to know him, you're like, okay, I get it. It's it's like a personality thing, you know. Yeah. But goddamn, his girlfriend was attractive. There's also a guy named Tim. 
who worked there, who was in charge of the cassette section. Nice. And I'm not going to talk a lot about him because in the next episode, he'll become a featured player. But uh, yeah, this is where I met him. So later when we talk about him, you'll be like, oh, okay, he was the guy that was in charge of the cassette section. But we had a lot in common. He was a, he was a cool guy. He was yeah. there. He moved from Indiana to be a director. Well, that's cool. And then there was a guy named Lance who, I, at the time he got hired, I had already been there a couple of weeks and was like co- comfortable. So he was the new guy, and I kind of like took a liking to him. So, you know, I would kind of tell him like how to be or how not to be or who not to do this with or that with. But he was uh, a very interesting guy and. He made me laugh. He'd say, are you mad at me, Lou? And like, just randomly, I'm like, no, I'm not mad at you. You're fine. You're good, dude. But uh, he told me this story. He said that he was at a bar and a girl thought he was Forrest Whitaker because he's like a big black guy, kind of, you know, doughy looking black dude. And if you think back, like this is 25 years ago. So he was probably like in his mid twenties and Forrest Whitaker was probably like in his forties at that point. But some, he says, he said some girl thought he was Forrest Whitaker in a bar and he ended up fucking her. <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't like dissuade her. Right. He didn't dissuade her of his, of the notion that he was Forrest Whitaker. So out there in the world, there's some cute little Asian girl. I'm taking his word that she was cute. I don't know. I didn't meet her that thinks she had sex with Forrest Whitaker in the, in the late nineties. <laughs> but he, he was, uh, he brought a fucking duffel bag full of shoes to work once and was trying to sell everybody's shoes. Huh. Uh, he was just a fucking, a weird dude, Where was but super from? nice. Um, I don't remember. I think maybe from a uh, North California, he just had a very like, like meek vibe about him. Uh-huh. But but not in like a it was just like he was a chill guy. He was kind of shy. He was like funny, but I don't know, kind of a nerd, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but he said some crazy shit. He told me some crazy shit. And that <laughs> that Forrest Whitaker story will always stick with me cuz it's like he's not a celebrity that you want to be like, "Yeah, I look like Forrest Whitaker," right? <laughs> You know what I mean? He's also like, not Forrest, a celebrity I'd be excited about fucking. That's what I'm saying. Everything <laughs> about this story is funny. Like, like I'm sure that Forrest Whitaker in the 90s could have gone out into the world and some star fucker chick who doesn't care if you're good looking, just wants to fucking f- be with a famous guy, would be like, hey, you were in Species. Let's get it on. Also Phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, we, which we've talked about in past episodes. Um... Yeah, so Forrest Whitaker got that guy laid. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's one of those stories that's like funny, except for when you start thinking about it in like today's climate, and then it starts feeling a little sexual assaulty. Right. It's like it's that weird line where like you can't exactly pinpoint where it becomes sexual assault, but you know it's more that than not that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a that's a whole thing, like right? Is lying to get laid, like like misrepresenting yourself in order to get laid, is that sexual assault? But she's also, I mean, she's just looking to fuck Forrest Whitaker too, right? I mean, what are you victim blaming now? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what Twitter will say. <laughs> are, are you feeling it? I'm not. Oh, I'm not at all. I think I'm getting less high as time goes by. Oh man. I don't know what's going on with me. Um, you should eat yeah, another one real quick, huh? You should go I eat, eat another it. one. I mean, I could, but then I don't. I don't want to 
I don't want to derail the spectacular episode as it's going. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there was this girl named Sally who got hired there, and she was awesome and cute and fun and, like, a cool chick. And at some point I'm working, and I see her talking to this guy that looks familiar to me. <laughs> and then I'm like, I know who that is. Here's the problem. You're not going to know who it is when I tell you the guy's name and the audience, most of them will not know. And the ones that do know are going to be my age and perverts. Okay. But Matt Zane is a porno director, producer, sometimes actor. Um, He's the son of another guy whose last name also was Zane, who is also famous for directing porn and stuff. So he's sort of by way of nepotism got into the industry to a degree, but I just recognized him. He's got long hair. He's super skinny. Kind of looks like um, the vibe would be uh, like corn at that era. You know, that like kind of gothic looking, but also kind of trashy looking like a weird combination of gothic and punk, maybe. Okay. But that was his vibe, like eyeliner, pale skin, fucking long hair, um, small, kind of a small guy. But. I see her talking to this to Matt Zane. And of course, Matt Zane's not a fucking famous person that anybody is going to like notice. So it's not a thing. But I'm like, she's talking to him like she knows him. This is more than a customer asking a question. They're like having a conversation. And so he leaves and I'm like, hey, how do you know Matt Zane afterwards? And she's like, how do you know Matt Zane? I'm like, you fucking know how I know Matt Zane. She's like, no, I, I really don't. I'm like, he, he does porn. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess he, I guess he did get into that, didn't he? Like, I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, he just directs and, and like, he, he doesn't like in it. I was like, yeah, he is. She's like, no, he's not. I'm like, 100% seen that guy's dick. Like, <laughs> I definitely have seen that guy fuck. He's in scenes. I've seen him. And she was like, are you serious? She was like really weirded out by the idea that she didn't know that he performed in the scenes. So... It was like a funny little like, ha ha ha, that's weird. Move on with their lives. Maybe like, I don't know, a week later she comes to work with like a signed poster and a fucking, a porn with the cover signed, like a VHS porn with, like he fucking signed swag for me. And she brought <laughs> she brought it to work. She gave it to me in the break room in the back of Tower Records. Like, Do you still have that stuff? I, uh, I think I gave the video to Dan. I don't have the poster for sure because I've moved a million times. But I know at one point I was not going to take it and I gave it to Dan. I don't know if he still has it somewhere. It'd be fucking awesome if he did, signed by Matt Zane. But I know at the time he thought it was hilarious when I brought that you know, to him. That's very It was a little funny. funsies. But yeah, that was, that was weird. And then at some point later he came in with... He was in a band called Society One that was like a kind of corn, you know, that style, like new, new metal-ish metal. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And... So he came in, the, the next time he came in, he was with the guitar player of that band, which I'd recognized from the video, because in the video that he gave me, his band is like on tour and like they're on tour buses while he fucks chicks and, you know, they're in the background of scenes and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's r- ridiculous. But it was weird. It was definitely a weird story. Um, there was this girl, Anne-Marie, who I was so into and she she was like the best and we used to flirt constantly and i don't think i think it was a hundred percent me just not being able to pull the trigger because she was too hot Mm. like like she was not aggressive enough 
she didn't like make it a hundred percent implicitly clear that if I asked her to hang out, that she would hang out with me. Right. You know what I mean? But it was like she gave me the signals that a normal human being would recognize that that's what that means. And I was like, maybe I'm misreading the massage she gave me at the register today. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of ridiculous. Oh, but man. right around the time I was just starting to get my nerve, she got fired. <laughs> why did she get fired? I don't remember why she got fired. It, was the, it wasn't like anything spectacular. It was like too many lates or something like that. But... And then, like, a week after she got fired, she came in to visit, and she gave me her fucking number, and I still didn't call her. Wow, you're a loser. (laughs) I know. I'm such a loser. This, anytime I tell you about time when I was, like, smooth with chicks, and you're like, Lou has it going on, which is a hilarious thought. Think back to this moment, because there's a lot of these fucking moments, and I don't talk about them that much, because it's nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, I knew she thought I was attractive, but for some reason, I was like... Or does she? <laughs> you know? it's, it, it hurts. It hurts that that one's not in the memory banks. Um, <laughs> she was so she was so she was really cute and really cool. But I have a problem where if I like a girl, she becomes cooler than she probably actually is. Mm. So I can't one hundred percent trust myself when I say, "Oh, she was cool." Yeah, maybe. Maybe she was like just not so uncool that it offset how attractive she was. <laughs> you know, I, I'm admitting that not happily right um yeah there was a lot of really cool people i met there that uh i will talk about coming up but one of the main ones this guy john that we instantly were like on the same vibe and he just had a good sense of humor and we thought the same things were funny and yeah he was just he was probably like my favorite person at work you know if i had to choose one at that time and I'll talk more about him in a minute, actually. he's He will be featured heavily in a coming-up story. I'm trying to sort of do this in a way that, that flows right, because it's sure. such a weird... It was just a weird environment and the weird behind-the-scenes stuff happening, you know what I mean? But the thing I remember about working at this tower was that you kind of felt like you were famous. Like, there was an, an air of kind of exclusivity to working there. Yeah. And the customers, like, you know, nine times out of ten treated you like, oh, this job is so cool. You're so lucky to work here. What's it like to work here? What did you do to get blessed with this wonderful opportunity? And then you'd get to know, like, famous people or semi-famous people or people you know of because they would come in as customers a lot. Right. And they would ask questions and they'd get to know, like, oh, like, you like this kind of music. I'll come to you if I have a question about metal, you know, that kind of thing. Um yeah, just it, the vibe there made you feel kind of like special working there, which is how they got away with paying minimum wage, I guess. Although <laughs> yeah. I doubt anybody felt that special at, you know, in Schaumburg, um, working at Tower, but maybe they did because they didn't realize how much more special it could be. <laughs> <laughs> what you but, said, what you said just now is kind of like. Yeah. Are you high right now? <laughs> no, I don't think I am. I'm feeling nothing. Okay. I feel nothing. I'm good. I mean, I'm as I as I always am. You decide if that's good. It's on you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you kind of felt like you were in the club working there, and it got to the point where you couldn't. You didn't have to be nice to customers, so it was it was like you could be marginally rude, 
if you wanted to be. If someone was being an asshole, you could just like ah, whatever and walk away. Oh, yeah. But I remember I was I was ringing up a line of people and there was a woman like tapping her foot, kind of annoyed it was taking so long, and she was just being like kind of bitchy. Yeah. And then I kind of sort of offhandedly said like, hey, "Patience is a virtue." <laughs> something like that <laughs> just super douchey yeah and she came up and asked to talk to a manager and the manager came up and basically told her to fuck off nice. and she like stormed out of the store without buying her stuff so it was like that it was uh yeah like i said kind of wild west for sure yeah yeah it definitely felt like you know you're in the club and you get here's the perks you know um and there were perks actually one of the coolest things I think that happened working there was there was this girl who used to come into the store occasionally, like she was a customer, super nice. And she came in one day, she's like, hey, Corn's doing a secret show at the Whiskey tonight. And the Whiskey is about two blocks west of Tower Records. So and the Whiskey, if you don't know the Whiskey of Go-Go, it's a very famous venue in West Hollywood. Back in the day, it was like the doors were the house band there. And like any band you've ever heard of played there and you know up until probably the last five years because it seems like it's sort of you know like cover bands and bar bands and shit play there now i don't know what's going on it doesn't seem like a legit venue anymore it seems more like a bar but back then it was still like you know running high it was you know it was a big player during like the hair metal days like guns and roses and motley Crue and shit sure yeah the whiskey was like one of the spots so um yeah, I was a couple blocks away, and this she comes in. She's like, "Hey, Corn's playing a secret show, and I can get I can get you guys in if you want to go, but it's tonight, and we're closing. Like we're at the store closing." And she's like, "Well, can you can you like get out early or something?" So we didn't. We basically me and John like asked to leave and got covered and like left for two hours to go watch Corn play a secret show at the Whiskey, and then come back to work and finish our shift. So what album? That would have been issues, right? Um, issues was right after this. Okay, because issues so, came out at the like towards the end of '99 or maybe summer. So, so it was after it was before issues. What was the one before issues? Was that follow the leader? Yeah. Okay, so it was between follow the leader and issues. Did they play but, follow the leader stuff or issues stuff? You know, it's funny. I remember follow the leader stuff and then earlier stuff, and then the only song that they played that I remembered that I didn't recognize wasn't on um, it wasn't on issues it came out on I think it, you know Cornwell um, yeah. fuck what's the name of that song now it's like dun we talked about this that's from Behind the mirror, or some shit like that. Did my time, right? That's a good fucking song, too. Yeah, I remember them playing that song, Did My Time. And I remember being like, what is this? I've never heard this song before, and it's fucking (laughs) cool. Like, I love that's a cool groove. Like, this is David Silverio was playing drums still at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember him fucking like playing the the drum part during that. And then. I waited like three albums for that fucking song. I was like, where's this fucking song? Like when Issues came out, I was like, that's, where, that's not on this one. <laughs> it took like years for that fucking song to come out. And I don't know if like, I don't know if I'm crazy because, you know, memory is like a tricky thing. Yeah. But, but like, I swear I knew that fucking groove before I heard that album. Like y- it was years before. That's so, so I don't funny. know if that was a song that they had like laying around that they'd finally figured out 
a way to make it work and put on an album or if I'm just out of my fucking mind. I don't know. We'll never know for sure. But I do know that I saw Corn play a secret show at the Whiskey and it's a fucking tiny little small venue and they were like a huge band at the time. That must have been fucking cool, dude. It was cool. I I didn't actually believe it. I was like, "Oh, I, sh- sh- bullshit. Like we're going to go in here and it's going to be a Corn cover band or something." And then it was like people pouring out of the fucking door. And, like, we got in with our fucking, like, wristbands or whatever she gave us. I can't remember what she did, but... And they were fucking... They were playing. Like, we walked in and they were already playing the first song. Yeah. We just got there barely in time. But... And it was fucking chaos. It was awesome. And then we walked back to the <laughs> tower and finished finished <laughs> our shifts. But... That's very uh, cool. Yeah, it was... Definitely woke up that morning not knowing I was going to see corn later. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of shit that happens in L.A. Um, so there was no dress code at this fucking job. And I know that because I remember wearing wife beaters to work like almost every day, yeah. like 80% of the time until like I, I started to like l- let the weightlifting thing go a little bit, you know, and, and chill on it. But those first couple of months I was like jacked. I was <laughs> looking a monster wearing wife beaters and ringing people up for CDs. Um, and actually, when I think of the dress code thing, there's, so there's this guy, Brad, who was a supervisor there. He's actually, I think, the one that told that woman to fuck off that I told patience was a virtue to. But he's he's like tall, skinny, jet black, long hair, pale eyeliner, fucking black mesh shirt where you could see his nipples through it, like <laughs> open down to his belly button, and then like tight black leather pants, and he would bend over and his fucking G-string would pop up the back. <laughs> Like, you could see a way he had a whale tail at work. Nice. Roughly fucking sleeves on his shirt, you know what I mean? But uh, he played bass in, a, like, a kind of goth kind of instrumental band. Yeah. That I, They weren't bad, actually. I remember hearing their, they had a CD, and I remember digging on it. Was It was definitely worthy. Uh, but super nice guy. Hot, hot, hot girlfriend. <laughs> like... I'm sure you're sensing a theme here, but like, like so hot. She had fucking like pale skin, blue hair, like blue, like like unmistakably blue hair. <laughs> and her name was Tina. So Brad and Tina looking like that. I always thought it was so funny that they had like the quarterback and the cheerleader names for sure. Like Brad yeah. and Tina. And then they fucking looked like that. Was, they were awesome um brad especially i didn't know tina she was just hot and you know how, how when i when someone's hot they become awesome to me right. but but yeah brad was a super nice guy uh, we had a lot in common mainly music and chicks and so i'm working on one of brad's nights off and attractive blonde woman attractive dark-haired woman come up they're paying for cds and kind of talking to each other and you know being friendly and the blonde one is the one that's buying. And so I take her credit card and I don't even fucking look at it because as employees there, you have to ask for ID when taking credit cards. Yeah. It's just the way that their rules were there. I don't know if that was every tower, but it was definitely that tower. So I would like pretend to look at the name, but I wasn't going to, I was going to ask for ID anyway. So I would just ask for ID. And then when she showed me her ID, it's, it was Tracy Lords. Do you know who Tracy Lords is? Yeah. She's a, uh, she was a porno actress back in the you know late eighties or, and uh, she was is famous for doing porn underage, 
when she was like 16, basically from the time she was 16 until she was 18, she was doing porn. And then right around when she was 18, she made her own movie. She produced it herself, invested herself. So she had, she owned all the rights for it and everything. And then somehow it came out that she was doing porn underage before. And it was like a big scandal in, in the porn industry. And like people were fucking brought into in front of judges. And it was like a whole thing. You know, someone had to know that kind of thing. Yeah. And she was kind of painted as like the victim who was taken advantage of or whatever to a degree. But then they obviously had to take all of the movies that she had made off the shelf, except for the one movie that she did after she turned 18, that she was like the the fucking owner of. (laughs) Like, so people speculate that it was like a plan from the beginning to do that, like a money making scheme. I don't know, but it's fucking an amazing story. And she was staying in front of me, <laughs> buying CDs. And so I, I was like, uh, cool. And I gave her her ID back and I like finished her transaction kind of befuddled. Like, oh, that's Tracy Lords. She's very infamous. And then as they were, like, she finished paying, they were walking out. And, and as they were walking out, the dark haired one turns around and goes, oh, is Brad working tonight? And I was like, uh, no. She's like, okay. And then they left and I was like, who the fuck does Brad know that's friends with Tracy Lords? And so he comes the next time I worked with him, I was like, Hey, so the other day, this, these, these girls came in and bought some CDs and, uh, one asked if you were working and the other one was Tracy Lords. <laughs> and he's like, and I expect him to be like, Oh, that's so-and-so like, why wouldn't you know if your friend was friends with Tracy Lords? And he had no fucking clue who I was talking about. He knew Tracy Lords was like for the same reason I know. Right. But, he had no idea who he knew that knew her and he was like going nuts like asking me for detailed descriptions and shit trying to feel like sherlock holmes's way to this answer (laughs) you imagine how frustrating that'd be if you're someone's like yeah so blanks came in and asked if you're working and then they were with fucking george clooney you'd be like what (laughs) you know like who do i know that knows george fucking clooney yeah, it was, I I remember him being, like, pissed at me by the end of the night. Like, you shouldn't have even told me if you're going to ask her name. I'm like, I was flustered. Tracy Lords was looking at me. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I keep thinking about is that Tracy Lords was her real name. On her ID. I think she changed it. It wasn't her, like, name when she was okay. young. I think yeah. she changed it legally because her fucking ID said Tracy Lords. Okay. Because I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I don't think I would have recognized her in a lineup. I mean, I knew she was an attractive blonde woman, you know, probably a little older than me, but not much. <laughs> not the right amount older than me. Right. So this seems like a good of time as any to, to run down a couple of the celebrity interactions that I had working there that were memorable. All of these I remember, except for when I start to just list them. Those ones I got out of the fucking journal. And it was just like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that happened. But there was no, like, thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But I remember very early on, I sold a CD to Brett Gerwitz, which, if you don't know the name, he's the guitar player of Bad Religion and also the guy that owns Epitaph Records, which was, like, a super important label to me in high school and after. I don't know if you like bands off Epitaph, but if you, like, were a no-effects guy ever or into any of that shit. But, yeah, if you're into punk rock in the fucking 80s and 90s, and even now they still have some cool bands but epitaph is good stuff and i remember just being like holy shit (laughs) like and i remember looking like this guy looks vaguely familiar but he's just like a guy with glasses like i'm he's in a band i'm sure i could tell i know i've seen and then when he like gave me his id from the credit card i was like oh fuck that's brett (laughs) did you say something to him no 
I am not, I don't do that. I treat them like I don't know them unless there's cause to let on that I do. Yeah. So I've never, that's not true. One time I did like instigate an interaction with a famous person in order to let them know I knew who they were. Um, but I've done it only once and it was in the last five years. Okay. But back in the day, like if you're acting normal, I'm acting normal. You know what I mean? And unless there's a real reason. And that kind of bit me in the ass a couple times, one or two of which I'm sure I'll tell you about in another second or two. But yeah, I was okay just ringing him up and be like, oh, me and Brett Gerwitz stood in the same two two square feet of space for 45 seconds once in my life. Right. I find that cool. <laughs> um, Joshua Jackson. So I don't know if you were a Dawson's Creek guy because <laughs> you're, you're a little young for that. Yeah. Do you remember Dawson's Creek? Yeah, I didn't watch yeah. it. I watched the first two seasons like week after week, like on TV live. You know, this is before fucking DVRs were the norm. So um, I definitely rocked the first two seasons of Dawson's Creek and knew full well who Pacey was. Actually, it was probably during season two that I worked here. It okay. was something like that. Because I think it was on when we were living in the previous place we lived in. And I think it was a new show. So, yeah, I think it came out like 90, 97, 98, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, fucking Pacey. Pacey in, in the flesh in front of me. And he he went, he gave me a credit card to pay, and I asked him for ID just because I wanted to see what he'd do. He was like, like the first famous person that I was like IDing. That kind of, you know, I asked for Brett Gurus for ID or whatever. I think that Pacey was actually first, though. Because I remember thinking it was funny that he gave that I was supposed to ask him for ID, and I'm looking at him like he's Pacey, <laughs> you know. So, but I remember it's asking not like, say oh, Pacey on his ID." <laughs> no, no. And I remember saying like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I need, can I see ID, please? And I was like, "What's he gonna do?" And he just like smiled, like sure. And he like started reaching in his pocket. I'm like, "I'm just fucking with you, man. I know who you are." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I didn't want to assume," <laughs> but yeah. And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I just called myself out as a Dawson's Creek fan, which I'm sure 90% of the people that would approach him at that time were teenage girls. And your fucking wife beater. (laughs) And me and my wife beater with like fucking bicep veins and shit. (laughs) But uh, yeah, he was nice. He didn't act like an asshole. Some some famous people act like assholes. He was cool. Yeah. I've told you this story, but I think it's awesome. The the new Jimmy World album came out. It was like early February, maybe. And... I was working the release, the, you know, Tuesday midnight thing where all like the new shit would go on, you know, on sale at midnight yeah. and stay open for a little later. I think it was the day after actually, but it was brand new clarity. And I was like, fuck, people aren't buying this genius masterpiece of a CD. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you people. Like this is, this shit's the best. And so I remember Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine came up and I'd seen him there before he, he, he would come with this really cute woman who I think maybe worked for a label because they would go to the info desk a lot of times and get their CDs there. But at this day, he was at the register buying CDs for me. And he was like, oh, what's good? Like, what's something new that came out that nobody nobody li- knows about, that nobody cares about? And I was like, why right here, sir? And I fucking sold him a copy of Jimmy Eat World's Clarity. <laughs> so I don't know if Tom Morello likes that kind of thing. I like to imagine that he appreciated it for its artistry, if yeah. not actually enjoyed it, but... He was a nice guy. He's from fucking 
north of Chicago, right? Like Libertyville or something? Yeah, he totally is. Well, he was very nice, and he was wearing a baseball cap, if you were wondering. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you were, but he was wearing one. Uh, I made Weird Al laugh. He was standing in line, and I was ringing up a customer, and he was the next customer in line, and I made a joke to the customer, and in my peripherals, I saw Weird Al laugh at my joke, and I was very stoked. Do you remember what the joke was? I know. It wasn't like a fucking knock-knock joke. It was like some sort of a contextual me making a goof about something that was happening in the room, but I just remember feeling very uh, fulfilled by the fact that I made Weird Al laugh. I think that's fantastic. Here's another one you won't be able to appreciate, but I fucking appreciated it. I got to work early. Sometimes I did on like Saturdays and Sundays. And so I'd like walk past tower and then walk up the street to get a fucking, you know, a drink or a snack or something from the gas station up across from the whiskey. And so this day I like walked by and I saw a guy kind of like pacing around the parking lot alone, no car or anything. He was completely alone in the, in the tower parking lot. I was like, all right, man, went up and got my, got my juice. And then, came back and he was still fucking walking and then he was like standing kind of by the door like he was waiting to get in and so we were standing like across from each other while I waited for somebody to open the door for me and it was uh it was this porno actor named Buck Adams from <laughs> from the 80s and the 90s and I yeah I was very familiar with Buck Adams he's like you know one of those guys that you saw in a lot of stuff but you didn't know who he was he looked like a fucking like he'd been an amateur boxer he was all beat up looking you you just <laughs> and what's funnier is that you just know what his dick looks like. You're like, I yeah. definitely know what his. Yeah, you pick it out of a lineup. <laughs> yeah. if you showed me three dicks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I remember thinking like that's Buck Adams, and then I remember thinking Buck Adams is on something for sure. <laughs> he was acting Fucking so weird, marching around. And then he didn't even come into tower. We o- we opened, and I kept waiting to see him, and he didn't come in. He just fucking left. It was like he's waiting for the store to open, and then once it opens, he's like, "All right, good, good luck, guys." <laughs> he just want to make sure. Weird. So that same day, <laughs> I didn't know these were on the same day, but reading my journal, I was like, "Holy shit, that's the same day as Buck Adams." The same day, Henry Rollins comes in, and for the those of you who don't know, I went through a Rollins phase, like a motherfucker, from the age of like maybe seventeen. You know, I got I got the end of silence, which is the the first what I would consider like the first really good Rollins band album. Because I think the rest before that were sort of they bordered between like completely unlistenable to barely okay. And then this album came out. I was like, holy shit, these are songs. That's an album that I, I don't think ages that well. Like if you go back and listen to it, the lyrics are. They're not like misogynistic or anything, but there's some things in there where like, I don't know, I think if he said that now that people would like come out after him with fucking pitchforks, <laughs> like yeah. it's like right on the edge of, and I remember thinking like, oh, I don't remember feeling any of this when I listened to this album the last time, cause it's been a while, but still fucking musically. It's great. It's a fucking great album as is the next one after that. Wait, but I digress. I loved Rollins. I, I've talked about before. I think it was when we, when I moved back to Illinois and then before when I got the job at Town and Country, the first night I got back to the north of the suburbs, we went and saw Rollins Band at the Vic, right? I think that's what I said. Yeah, um, yeah I love Rollins. I've seen him do spoken word like four or five times. I've seen the band a couple times. Like, I was a huge, huge Rollins fan. And then at some point around this time, a little before this time, he 
split part with his band. So like the, the bass player, drummer, and the guitar player, they just went off on their own. And then the new Rollins band was like this band he hired that was already a band without him. And he just basically was like, do you want to be my new band? Like, and they did an album and I hate that fucking album. It's like he, he, I don't know if he fired them or if they just decided not to do it anymore, but the other band left and they were fucking awesome. And then his new band comes in and it's not the same genre and it's not what I want. Yeah. I'm not going to say like, it's, you know, whatever your opinion, if someone likes it, cool. Someone, Rollins obviously liked it because he wouldn't have did that, but I didn't like it. So I was like, oh man. All right. Well, I still dig Rollins. He's cool. Uh, I I feel weird about his choice musically, but I'm not not a fan. But I it, he sort of lost some of his luster for me a little at that point. And I was kind of growing up, you know. You go through a phase like that, and then you know you get what you you need from it, and then you move on and find something newer. Yeah. But he came up and bought CDs for me, and it was all like jazz import CDs. And I remember like I want him to like recognize that I that I like him. But I don't want to be like, I love your, like your, your inspiration to me or any of that bullshit. Like, that's not my vibe. But I was like, oh, I wish there was a way for me to like tell him without having to be that guy. Yeah. And then, and I was like, oh, I'll just give him a discount on his CDs. <laughs> Which of course he doesn't need. But I was like, I got to show him. I get, it's like, I'm not going to put my, my phone number on the fucking receipt. So I got to like, just let him, I got to wink at him. You know what I mean? The thing was, he was not very friendly. <laughs> Like yeah. he, he was, he didn't make eye contact at all with me. And he like pushed his CDs forward while looking at the fucking desk. And I rang him up and he gave me his credit card. And I don't think I asked him for ID cause I didn't want to like, you know, impose myself on him. And then the only thing he said to me was, uh, as he was leaving, he said, thanks a lot. That's all he said. He didn't say, hi, how are you doing? He didn't say anything. He didn't even, he was like, I might as well have been a fucking, like a robot <laughs> until he said, you know. That sucks, dude. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember like, oh, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. It's not like I was like wanting him to do anything. Just be friendly <laughs> would have been cool. Now, people have bad days. I've gone through my day and not been friendly to clerks at fucking stores. So I'm not like, what a dick. I'm just like, that's a bummer that I happen I happen to get him on that day, you know. Like yeah. that would have been a, a, a it, it's a story. It would have been a good story <laughs> if he had been friendly. Instead, he was weird and standoffish and acted like I was not worth his moment. Oh. Um, it is what it is. Like I said, I'm sure you know we all have our days, right? And I definitely didn't let on any. I didn't give him any kind of like vibe for me that was like I fucking love you, man. Yeah, you can't say anything. No, most people would. You know, most people I think would. Um, so this one's fucking funny. You know who James Spader is, right? Yeah. <laughs> From, From like your... Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's an actor, been around a long time, was in like 80s movies and shit. Right now he's the star of The Blacklist, which is on like season season seven or six or something. Yeah. So that shit must be popular. But yeah, he's on that fucking show. But anyway, he... <laughs> My, one of the supervisors, this guy, Derek, who I knew of just because I was like, oh, that's the guy that like, that does all the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I kind of thought of him. <laughs> the guy that's all, he's always got a runny nose. But he was a nice guy and he made me laugh. And he came out and he's like, I just got a weird phone call. I was like, well, what happened? And he's like, this guy told me that, you know, he's he's an actor and he's he's going to be coming in 
and like I don't know, I think he wants me to like get sec- get special security for him. And I was like, what actor? Who is it? And he's like, his name's James Spader. And I was like, yeah, fucking Stargate. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I seen that. And I was like, I was like, what did he say? He said that he he basically said I'm gonna be coming in to do a little shopping. I'm gonna be doing a little shopping today, and uh, I was just I wanted to let you know maybe you should get beef up security a little bit because I you know sometimes people make a scene and so but I remember like Derek just going like I'm gonna be doing a little shopping today, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like whatever, and I honestly thought like it was a prank, you know. So I'm like, why would James Spader call Tower Records and tell him to beef up security? And then, like, fucking 20 minutes later, James Spader walks in with the fucking fishing cap and the sunglasses on. What a you know, like, off. And, nah, nobody gave a fuck. He came and he shopped and he fucking bought his shit and he left. And I like James Spader as an actor, but <laughs> that was fucking weird. You ain't and no you know George fu- Clooney, James Spader. You know what's funny, too? Did you watch The Office? Yes. Do you remember his character from The Office? You know, whatever, Vaguely, Roger California? Yeah. Yeah. He basically plays a guy who just, like, shows up and becomes manager because he's, like, a good talker. Yeah. For, like, a season, he's the fucking boss, but he he shouldn't be. (laughs) But Robert California, that's what his name is. But his character in The Office, I think, is the the closest to the version of James Spader that called Tower Records in 1999. That's very weird. I'm going to be doing a little shopping today. Fucking love Stargate. I'll tell you that right now. You love the show more than the movie, though, don't you? Yeah, I love everything related, but they just get better and better-ish. We'll do an episode <laughs> on Stargate at some point in the future, and we'll re- really get into the nitty-gritty of why I think that. <laughs> so, have you seen Cruel Intentions, the movie Cruel Intentions? Yes, I have, Lou. Came out in 99. I saw it in the theater, and so a Friday night, opening night for the movie, I saw it. I thought it was great, enjoyed it very much. Next morning, nine in the morning, coming to work. I'm fucking half asleep, sitting at the counter with a fucking hot cocoa or something, like waiting for for life to to, to come to take hold. Yeah. And fucking first customer on a Saturday morning walks in, and it's Ryan Philippi. And How'd he look? I was like, like he looked at fucking cruel. Well, first of all, he was wearing a fishing cap, much like James Spader. <laughs> he's doing but a I didn't. Shopping. It it didn't strike me as yeah, he's doing a little shopping. It didn't strike me as him trying to, like, hide out. He just looked like a Saturday morning outfit, you know? James Spader looked like he was trying to blend into, I don't know, the background in the 50s or something. Anyway, yeah, he walks in. I was like, that's fucking Ryan Philippi. And then my brain had to do this weird recalibration thing. It was like, I saw his movie last night and enjoyed it. And I remember thinking about it, like, after. So, like, I spent time with this guy in my head for, like couple of hours and the next morning i walk he's here at my work he's now he's over there browsing in the cd section like that's weird and i'm the only person on register at the beginning of the shift there's nobody else up there with me so like all right well let's see if this motherfucker buy these buys these cds from me comes up to the counter and i start ringing him up just like normal and i this is one of the weird times i don't do it often but i had to do it because i had seen the movie the night before yeah and also because I think I'm the last person he would expect to get this from. Were you wearing so a wife I was, beater? I was probably wearing a wife beater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I pro- probably was. Uh, I said, you know, I, I saw your movie last night. And he like perked up. I was like, you did? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what'd you think? I'm like, I liked it a lot, man. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a, I think, probably my favorite thing I've seen you in. And this is, he's, of course, been in White Squall and 
I know what you did last summer, and I don't know if anything else. But yeah, out of those three, I liked it the best. And then, he, and then he was like, "Wow, thanks a lot, man. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing I've done so far. It's like, he's like, it's probably the first thing I've done that I'm not that I feel good about. You know what I did in it." And I was like, well, it was a good movie, man. I appreciate it. He's like, oh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks. He like gave me the like, look at me. He looked me in the eyes like, I'm going to remember you (laughs) kind of moment. You know, the big burly guy who fucking, I don't know how burly I was actually back then. But the big masculine guy wearing a wife beater told me he liked my chick flick ish. It's kind of a chick flick, you know? Yeah. Um, And then he used to come into Tower after that. Like, I don't know, every couple of weeks he'd come through and browse and fucking give me the what's up nod. Like, hey, I know you. Sometimes I'd sell him CDs. Hey, how's it been? You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it got to like that point where I was like, hey, what's up, Ryan? <laughs> Walks That's in the door. Cool. Yeah, I'm like, we're not trading fucking phone numbers, but, you know, I'm the, the guy that he sees at the fucking record store for three or four months. Yeah. But yeah, he was a nice guy. I remember thinking like that, if that's how celebrities are going to be, I'm cool. Like, that's a good, that guy made me not feel like a shithead for, you know, picking him out. Yeah. I didn't like bug him while he was eating dinner or anything, you know, <laughs> but well, I think, I think most people that create are, you know, they, they'd appreciate acknowledgement of some sort. I think so too. But the problem with that is there's two types of, there's two types of people that, that like it. And then there's the kind of people who, so you get, let me start that thought over. Now yeah. I might be getting high now. <laughs> I think it's kicking in. I don't know what what the hell I was... For a minute, I didn't know. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. That was just like a stream (laughs) of nonsense coming out of my mouth. (laughs) I legitimately had no idea where I was going with that thought. Yeah, I might be... (laughs) It might be kicking in. (laughs) It's like I I almost want to leave in everything I said there. Because it's (laughs) such nonsense. Oh no! Oh my god, this is gonna have to be another two-parter!